portions of this podcast may not be suitable for children. Listeners, please be advised. The way to do a great deal is to keep on doing a little. The way to do nothing at all is to be continually resolving that you will do everything. Charles Spurgeon. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. And this was night and day different than anything I had ever experienced. I was humbled and even embarrassed. I really felt God knocking on the door. You know, I was an atheist and I thought that science was the right way and anything else was just silly. It was just, you know, like fairy tale really is what I thought. God had a plan for my life. I believe when we lose our life is when we find the life that God wants us to have. Hola, shalom, and jambo. I am your hardworking host, Dan Henderson. Thanks for listening. My dad and I started Think Twice TV shortly after I got saved in my early 20s. Although I was raised to be a Christian, I fell away from the faith and got into all kinds of trouble that mostly centered around drugs and alcohol. After discovering the truth of Jesus Christ and who he was, I wanted to light the path for others to find a new life as well. On our site, we've packed tons of good content to point people to Jesus. Things like testimonies, biblical education, media, and more. So stop by, take us for a test drive, and while you're there, share a page with someone or drop us a line with some feedback on how to make the site better. You can also hear my story at thinktwicetv.com forward slash Dan and my father's story, thinktwicetv.com forward slash Rudy. In this episode, we'll hear from Derek. He's an awesome brother who was also a former drug dealer and convict. Derek discovered the secret to living the good life. We'll also learn all about the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, in our segment, The Heavyweights of the Faith, brief biographies of great believers who changed the world. Now I know you're busy out there, so let's get right to it. I grew up on the streets. In my youth, I was in and out of juvenile. I'm selling a lot of drugs. I get the attention of the federal government. And at 21 years old, I'm indicted on a federal drug trafficking conspiracy. As soon as you get arrested, everybody tells you, turn to God, read the Bible, pray. And in my mind, I'm like, no, why turn to God? There'd be apartments right here. On several occasions, I was shot at. Well, right there from somebody over here. During this time, my then girlfriend was going to church. I didn't know. She knew I was against it. She knew I, I didn't support it. I had never read the Bible. I had never even looked at it. I don't even know what's what. She says, read the book of John. She wanted me to read the Gospel of John, but I ended up reading 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And I never forget those verses where that verse said that God is love. And then the other verse where it says, this is love that he sent his son. I didn't know what that meant at that time, but I knew I was, I was blown away about the simplicity of it and about that truth that God is love. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know who to pray to. I didn't know what to say. I said, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. But one thing I do know, I want to know you and I want to serve you. I had new desires that, 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 that I knew something had happened. From that day on, we started a Bible study. 
Uh, when I got sentenced, it was a sentence of 156 months, which comes out to 13 years. And in a lot of ways, I was grateful. But of course, you know, you know, it's a long time. Little did I know that, that God was going to prepare me to preach and teach to these brothers. Four months before I was going to be released, providentially, an old friend came into my, into my life, and that was my, my, my now wife. There's testimony after testimony from every, every angle. I mean, whether it be from work, relationships, friendships, church. I mean, every, you know, the, God's hand is literally at, at every angle. It's beyond expression, you know. It's, there's just so many things you could share. What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? And when I, when I think of the grace of God in my life, nobody knows more than me that I have absolutely no right to be such a recipient of such grace. And, and when I read this verse, man, it just, the joy of the Lord just runs through the blood in my veins. Want to share your true life story? Let us know. Message us at thinktwicetv.com. Learn the basics of the faith. Download our free mini-book. It includes encouraging testimonies, the five scriptures everyone should know, who is the Holy Spirit, and much more. Get the mini-book free at thinktwicetv.com slash mini-book. Or message us with your address and we'll mail them to you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Heavyweights of the Faith. Brief biographies of great believers who changed the world. Charles Spurgeon was a Calvinist Baptist minister in England during the Victorian era. He was born June 19, 1834 to John and Eliza Spurgeon in Kelvedon, Essex, as the first of 17 children, although only eight survived to adolescence. As a boy, he loved books, and John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress was one of his favorites. At the age of 15, while running an errand, Spurgeon was caught in a blizzard and sought shelter in the first building he could find. Thus, he entered Primitive Methodist Chapel on January 6, 1850, in Colchester, England. There he heard a sermon on Isaiah 45, verse 22, which says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. Spurgeon pointed to that sermon and passage of scripture at the moment he gave his life to the Lord and became a Christian. Later that year, Spurgeon moved to Cambridge, joined Andrew Street Baptist Church, and began to minister as an itinerant preacher. By October 1851, his preaching style and ability were recognized as above average, and he accepted the pastorate at Water Beach Baptist Church, where he later produced his first publication, a gospel track, in 1853. 
At the age of 19, in April 1854, Spurgeon moved on to become the pastor of New Park Street Chapel in Southwark, London, the largest Baptist congregation in London at the time. Within months, he was famous, and by the age of 22, he was the most popular preacher of his day, earning him the title of Prince of Preachers. The congregation at New Park Street Chapel quickly outgrew its building and several subsequent venues. During this time, Spurgeon published his sermons as well as devotionals, hymns, poetry, and commentaries. Using his own money from book sales and speaking fees, Spurgeon personally financed more than one-third of the $3.6 million cost of building the Metropolitan Tabernacle in 1861. It was the largest church building of its day with a capacity to host 6,000 people at once. Spurgeon never took a salary from his new megachurch, instead accepting money only from his publications and speaking events. It is estimated that he delivered about 3,600 sermons, preached to over 10 million people, and personally baptized 15,000 believers over his lifetime. Charles Spurgeon was a prolific writer whose works fill 49 volumes of sermons, commentaries, sayings, anecdotes, illustrations, and devotionals. His sermons have been translated into nearly 40 languages and continue to be used in curricula as seminaries as well. And the plainness of speech while maintaining an eloquent, Spurgeon-brought conviction to the hearts of the hearers, without ever offering an altar call, but offering instead a meeting at his office door every Monday morning for anyone interested in giving their life to the Lord. He carried on the rich theology of Calvin, Bunyan, Edwards, and Wesley, and was even called the modern Whitfield in his day. Spurgeon strove to preach only Jesus Christ and him crucified. Spurgeon ministered in London for 38 years, founded 66 parachurch ministries, including a ministry to prostitutes, one for policemen, two orphanages, 17 homes for widows, and a free seminary, now Spurgeon's College, to help ministers sharpen their skills. It is estimated his net worth upon his death was about $50 million, but he died with only $250,000 in his bank account because he used his own resources to support these ministries. Spurgeon was outspoken in his opposition to slavery and also in his concern over the theological decay of Britain. In 1887, he called for the Baptist Union to draft a statement of faith affirming the inerrancy of scripture and the bodily resurrection of Jesus. When the Union refused, Spurgeon withdrew his membership in what became known as the Downgrade Controversy. Charles Spurgeon had married Susanna Thompson in 1856, and the two had twin sons in 1857. Unfortunately, neither Charles nor his wife enjoyed robust health. Spurgeon struggled with depression, arthritis, and gout. He and his wife would often recuperate in Menton, France. It is there where Charles Spurgeon died on January 31, 1892. Spurgeon left a rich history for his short years. Aside from the aforementioned sermons, publication, and parachurch ministries, Spurgeon had been friends with James Hudson Taylor, who founded China Inland Missions. Spurgeon personally recruited missionaries to Taylor's cause. David Livingstone enjoyed Spurgeon's sermons and carried a copy of one with him throughout his travels in Africa. Spurgeon's devotional Morning and Evening, as well as his exposition on the Psalms, The Treasury of David, remain his most popular works today. Spurgeon's passionate evangelism, theological integrity, and generous spirit are inspiration for all Christ followers.
Thank you to Compelling Truth for the use of their written biographies. Please visit compellingtruth.org for more information. The more we know about Charles Spurgeon, the more we recognize his greatness. Here's a few quotes from the Prince of Preachers. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Here's another one. A good character is the best tombstone. Those who love you and were helped by you will remember you when the forget-me-nots have withered. Carve your name on hearts, not on marble. Also, his books, Following Christ and The Soul Winner, are essential Christian classics. I highly recommend getting a hold of those. Well, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know that I love good quotes. Go ahead and stop by thinktwicetv.com forward slash quotes to get filled up on all types of quotes. Hey, thanks again for listening. Before we go, I'd like to leave you this verse from the Bible. This is from Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding.